This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, let's get holy for a few minutes, though. We need to get holy. So tonight, the title of the message is this, Lessons from Blind Bart. We're going to take a study, and, and, and we're going to look at the, the man in the Bible named Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bart. Now, there's a lot of people I respect in Scripture. There's a lot of people that I can learn a lot from and, and obviously have learned a lot from. But there's this one guy, Blind Bartimaeus. He's not that famous. I mean, we kind of know his story. But he's just you got this one little patch of Scripture here. you got some people that have a lot of scripture real estate like Moses and Paul and, and Abraham and David. Bart doesn't have a whole lot, but what he does have in this story is really, really helpful and revealing to us on how we can receive from God. Because here's a guy that not only had he had a bad life, but people were still trying to hold him down. People were trying to hold him back, and he didn't have encouragement from other people to, to help him get on the right path, to help him uh, receive from the Lord. And I know a lot of great people that they're ready for a change. They're ready to receive from God, but they don't have any positive influences. They don't have anybody saying, you can do it. And Bartimaeus, what we're going to see from his life is he pushed through all those obstacles anyway, and he received an absolute life-changing miracle from Jesus Christ. And I know that he can do that for everybody here tonight if we'll learn the same things. And so we're going to read the story first of all, and then we're going to come back and kind of break it down. So let's turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark 10 tonight. Who is excited to hear about Mr. Blind Bart? Now, one thing you got to know about Bart is Bart was a loser. Uh, he, his, his dad was named Timaeus, and Timaeus was not known as being a, a real winner of a guy. And so Bart, he was the son of Timaeus, and uh, just not a lot going on for him. But one day Jesus came by, and he looked and he called upon Jesus. So Mark chapter 10, we're going to look here uh, at verses 46 through 52, and this is the story of blind Bartimaeus. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And so here he is, just doing his thing, sitting beside the road, being blind. I mean, how would you like that to be your nickname? Blind Bartimaeus. Like, do we have to point out the obvious? That'd be like, you know, you're a short guy, like, hey, they're short Timmy. Look at him, everybody. Like, they point out your obvious uh, handicap every single time. But anyway, just no, no mercy. So verse 47, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Well, isn't that obvious? He's a blind guy. He goes by the name Blind Bart. It's obvious what he needs. But Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see and Jesus said, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see 
And he followed Jesus down the road. And so I'm looking at this story and I love this story. It's a beautiful story. I love to see somebody that the devil has held back in their life. I love to see people delivered from the power of the enemy. And no doubt about it, this is not a blessing from God. Being blind is not a blessing from the Lord. It's not a gift from God that holds you back in life. This was uh, this was obviously something from the enemy. Because John 10, 10 tells us, as everybody here knows, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Being a blind beggar is not life and life more abundantly. This was obviously killing, stealing, and destroying in his life. So, not a gift from God. So, let's look at four little things, four quick little things here that we can pull out of this story from Blind Bartimaeus. And I'll bet you could find more if you, if you looked at it. But the first thing about the story of Blind Bart, the first lesson is this. Number one, he took action. He took action. He wasn't content to just stay in the condition that he was in. And he had been that way for a very long time. And I know a lot of people that they're in a bad spot. They're, they're in a condition of some kind. They, I mean, the, maybe it's, it's just, who knows what it is, but in some way or another, they are being held back in their life from all that God has for them. Now, unfortunately, so many people just get so used to it that they just learn like, hey, this is just my thing. I'm blind Bart. I got the name for a reason. Everybody knows it's what I do. I'm blind and I beg. I've just learned to accept the hand that fate has dealt me. And this is never going to change. It's who I am. And some people see themselves as, well, I'm just, you know, I just, I didn't get good grades in school. I'm just, I'm not the smart guy. I'm just this and this. And why does it have to be that way? Why, why do you have to just accept the things that come to you in this life? Because I'm not going to just accept anything that comes to me if it's not from the Lord Jesus Christ. And there have been things thrown at me. I've had cancer thrown at me. I've had being crippled thrown at me. I've had eye condition thrown at me, but I wasn't about to accept any of that. And my parents who, you know, at that age, I was a little kid, but my parents were surely to goodness, not going to just accept that their son has leukemia and 90% of them die. So it's just what happened. No, you don't have to accept the negative things that come to you. You need to get like that old song you say, return to sender. No such address. That doesn't belong here. Amen. And so whenever stealing, killing and destroying comes into your life, you say, no, I'm not receiving that. I'm not signing for that. Yet too many people are like, okay, well, I guess it's mine because it was, it was sent to me. So I guess it's mine. I don't receive everything that's just sent to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, how many of you got an email address? Hello, it's 2018. You've got five of them, okay? I, do, I know one person that doesn't have an email address, don't I? I do know one guy that's held out to the bitter end, and he refuses to get an email because it's one of the many tools of the devil. But anyway, anyway. Uh, so uh, so this guy, but, it, but what I'm saying is you got an email. How much junk mail do you get every single day? I mean, half of it gets blocked, but some of it still gets through. I don't open that junk. I delete it. I, I, I block it. I get rid of it. But somebody that's just, I don't know, they got time on their hands or they're not very bright. They'll sit there and just go through all the junk to find out that you really don't have a rich uncle in Nigeria that died and left you $400 billion. Did anybody else find that out? Like, that's not, that's not true. He, this, no, he's not real. 
And uh, but but if you're somebody that just receives everything, you'll just you'll you'll read it and take it and like, oh, wow, I guess this this is mine. Or I guess. Listen, you've got to learn how to block stuff. You've got to learn how to resist the devil and he will flee from you. James four. Amen. But a lot of times we just accept what we've got, but not Bart. The lesson that I learned from Bart is that he took action. Let's look at verse 47 here. It says, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so he heard the word about Jesus and he decided to do something about it. And he received a miracle. Now, don't you think there was a lot of people there that day that saw Jesus? There was a lot of people there that day that had issues, had problems, had diseases and and different things. There was a lot of hurting people there that day. And the same Jesus was walking down the same road past the same people. But we've never heard of any of them. Why? Because only one of them called out to Jesus to get rid of the situation they were in. And that just, it, it, it's, it's almost dumbfounding. It, it, it's almost incredible to see how many people, you'll see two people sitting right beside each other in the same church. One person receives a miracle, and the next person is just there, like, same thing year after year, not making fun. But why is that? Well, some people decide to actually take action against it. The same Jesus is being preached They hear the exact same sermon that the other guy's hearing. They're hearing the exact, seeing the same verses, hearing the same preacher, hearing the same Jesus, singing the same songs, but they're not getting the same results. Is it because God likes person A better than person B? It couldn't be that because we have several scriptures that tell us that God has no favorites. Even though I hear people say, well, I know it says that, but I'm really his favorite. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not God's favorite. God has no favorites. He loves us all the same. Amen. But some people just get better results because they decide to do something about it. And so here we are. Bartimaeus, he's calling, he's screaming, he's yelling to get the attention of of Jesus. Why wasn't anybody else doing that? Because I know there were other sick people there that day. There were other hurting people there that day. And they walked away the exact same way they came. Isn't it a shame that you have a, a, you have Jesus right there in the room and you leave exactly the same condition that you came in as? Isn't that sad? And I believe that every time we gather here in church, the Lord's here. I believe every time we go home, the Lord, I believe everywhere we go, the Lord is there. But you should never have an encounter in the presence of Almighty God and leave the exact same way you came. Leave indifferent. Leave like, oh, that was cool. What's for lunch? Why would we be like that? If you're truly in the presence of God, it should leave an impact on you and it should change you to be something better. And so here we are. There was a lot of people in the presence of Jesus that same day. But we're only reading about blind Bartimaeus as being the guy that received something from Jesus because he was the only one that called out. I want you to flip over to James chapter one. and We're going to look at something there. We'll be back. We're coming back to Bart. We're not leaving him. But we're, we're going to look at James chapter 1. And I heard Pastor Willie George say something. And 
and it's true. This verse, I've known this verse since I was five years old. But this is the absolute truth. He said, if all you ever do is hear the word, you'll be deceived. I was like, huh? How can, if all you ever do is hear the word, I mean, how can you be deceived from, all, from hearing the word of God all the time? Well, because you have to do something about the word that you hear. It's not enough to only hear the word. Because there's a lot of people that have heard a lot of word. They've heard a lot of scriptures, but they don't obey any of it. They don't do any of it. And so they don't, they're not getting anywhere in life. James 1.22 in the good King James here, it says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What? You mean to tell me that I can hear the word of God and still be deceived? Absolutely. If you're a person that only hears the word, but you never do the word, not only will you be deceived, you'll be deceiving yourself. And I don't want to be deceived by anybody, but it's a real shame to be deceiving yourself. It's a real shame to be fooling yourself. You know how hard it is to trick yourself? It's hard to sneak up on you and scare you. That's hard to do. But some people can literally deceive themselves because they hear the word of God all the time. And they'll come up, they'll hear a sermon. Yeah, I know the word says to forgive as you've been forgiven. I know it says that. I've heard it a thousand times. Bravo. But do you actually obey that verse? It's not enough to only know that Jesus said to forgive as you have been forgiven. It's good to know that. But you know what's even better? To actually do that. There's no blessing in just knowing that the scripture says to forgive. There's blessing when you actually step out and forgive. There's no blessing in just knowing that it says to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. There's a blessing in actually treating your neighbor as you want to be treated. And there's a lot of people all over the place that are deceived. They're fooling themselves because they think that they are upstanding, mature, stable, God-fearing Christians because they know a whole lot of Bible. But they are in pure deception because they don't obey any of it. I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather be somebody that knows two Bible verses and actually obeys them than somebody that's memorized entire books and chapters but doesn't obey a single lick of it. I'd rather know that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'd rather at least know that one verse and have the revelation in my heart and obey it and tell others about it. I'd rather know that than have a PhD in theology and not obey one lick of the word of God. Why? Because I am a deceived fool at that point because I think I've got it all together, but I really don't. And so you've got to take action and actually obey the word of God. And that's what Bartimaeus did right here. He actually obeyed the word of God. So number one, he took action. Number two, he ignored the haters. Anybody got any haters? Come on, let's hear it for haters. Wow, okay. I mean, nobody likes a hater, but they exist. They're real. They're out there. You're probably going to meet some tonight. There's haters. They're everywhere. You know what you got to do with the haters? You got to shake the haters. Woo. Shake the haters. Shake them. Get rid of them because... If you don't shake the haters, they'll get to your soul and they will drag you down. And so here's Bart, the man that's been blind, begging for money, annoying people for years. And you'd think they'd be excited. Here's his chance to receive a miracle. Don't you think that people would be excited that he finally has a chance to better himself? 
He finally has a chance to, to, to get out of the ditch that he's lived in all these years. Don't you think? And didn't you think when you got saved, people would just be excited for you? Yeah? No? Okay. Didn't you just think when you, well, I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm going to go for my dream. Didn't you just think everybody would be up behind you? You can do it. We are so proud of you, man. But they weren't. In fact, people are like, I don't know. Did you think that through? You realize you're not that good at that, right? You realize that I don't, I just don't see you do it. I, I can't see it. Go for it, but really good luck. Hope it pans out. I don't think it will. You know, and people will say stuff like that to you. Listen, when I, when I tell you this, when Katie and I got married, we were 18 when I proposed. Looking back on that, if I saw, you know, a lot of the 18 year olds I know proposing, I'd be like, dude, you're not ready. Just time out. Don't do that. But so, so I proposed and, and I go into work the next day at FedEx at the Indianapolis airport. And I'm like, Hey everybody, I got engaged over the weekend. And everybody was like, ah! I heard women screaming and men ducking behind desks, people diving under. I was like, okay. I mean, just a congratulations would have done. I, what did I do? I thought this was good. You've never even lived with that woman. There's no way you'll make it. And, and I'm like, what? But the, I don't need to live with her. I mean, for thousands of years, that works just fine to get, get married. Well, and the Bible, and, and people that, that I'm, I'm serious. People that said they were God-fearing. I'm an, I'm an elder at my church, and you listen to me right now. You've never even slept with that girl. What? And I, I'm God is my witness. People were angry at me for getting engaged at 18, and we had never been intimate. We waited until we were married. And I tell people that, and I still get looks of shock. And I'm like, I didn't realize that that was like the ultimate hardest thing in this entire world to, to somehow accomplish. Not, you know, not making anybody feel bad, but when I still tell that story that we remained pure until our wedding night, people absolutely, I still see people passing out and getting fanned and, uh, give me a drink of water. I can't believe that. Like, seriously? It's like not that impossible. You just fear the Lord. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, fear God. But I'm telling you, I thought people would be excited and encouraging and say like, oh, man, you can do it. You've got many beautiful years ahead of you. This is so great. But people are like, no, don't do it right now. The worst decision I ever made. One lady said, I'm the only way that we're still married is that I work days and he works nights so we don't see each other. And I'm telling you, that's what you have to look forward to. Why would you say that to somebody? That's terrible. Could you at least, I mean, anything, just a little congrats, but not one person over there congratulated me. They were trying to talk me out of it. I'm like, man, some friends you are with friends like that. Who needs enemies? They were, they were terrible advice. But look, Bartimaeus, he, he, here he was. He, the day of his miracle had arrived. And look what the people said. Verse 48, Mark 10, verse 48. He's shouting out to the Lord, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And so all these people could have been encouraging. They could have given him a hand up. They could have said, Bart, today's your day, brother. This is Jesus Christ we're talking about. But they said, shut up. You are so we thought you were annoying before. Now you're really annoying. Shut up. How is that that when this guy was just trying to better himself, when he was calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that these people were telling him, shut up. And what if 
He was like so many people. What if he let that get to him? What if he didn't guard his heart? What if he would, we talked about it this morning, being offended? What if he said, oh my gosh, here I am just trying to better, here I am trying to get healed, and they won't even support me, my dreams. I, I hate you guys. What if he was like all the snowflakes of 2018, and I had a complete little meltdown and just called it quits. I'm not, forget this, man. Here I am, my one chance, and nobody's even there for me. I can't, I, whatever. It's not, what if, he threw in the towel and was like, you know what, they're right. I should probably just shut up. But you know what he did? He, he just shouted even louder. Oh, you thought that was annoying? Try this out. Jesus! And he starts shouting even louder. And I'm telling you, that's what you need to do. When people say, shut up with the Jesus stuff. Oh, you don't like it when I say Jesus? You're really not going to like it when I start preaching. Watch this. You get. I'm just saying, listen, don't let people shut you up. Ignore the haters. Why do we ignore the haters? Because they don't hold the miracle that you need. Jesus holds. Now, if they if they hold the miracle, if they can if they can get me to heaven, then by all means, I'll listen to what you have to say. But I know that you cannot save my life. You cannot heal me. You cannot deliver me. You cannot restore me. So I don't care what you have to say. If you thought that was annoying, I can get a whole lot more annoying than that. Believe me, ask my wife. I can be super annoying. All right? And if you, amen, amen. So if you don't want me doing that, just watch out, man. It can get a whole lot worse. So these guys, they don't have any compassion. They don't have any, any desire to help him get out of his mess. But listen to me. Bart did not back down just because he was not receiving the support that he needed. The seed of the word of God had been planted in his heart. And I want to show you something else Jesus had to say about the seed of the word being planted in your heart. So hold your spot, but flip back a couple pages to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, you're already in 10, just go to 4, it's not going to hurt anything. Mark chapter 4. And verse 17, and so this is the parable that Jesus told, called the sower sows the word. And Jesus said this is the most important parable that he had. He said if you could understand this one, you'd be able to understand all the other stuff he was saying. So the, this is a very, very important parable story that Jesus told. So he tells this story. A farmer goes out and plants some seeds. Some falls on good ground, some on stony ground, some on, on hard ground, some fell on ground with thistles. And, and, and the different seeds, depending on the ground they fell on, different things happened to them. Some of them produced a crop, some didn't. But look what he says about this particular seed in Mark 4, 17. I'm in the King James here. It says, and have no root in themselves and so endure, but for a time. I know a lot of people that the word was planted and they endure, but just for a little bit of time. They start growing, but it doesn't last very long. Because afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So they quit. They give up. They just like that whole church thing. It just didn't work out. That Jesus thing, it didn't pan out. People were mean and people uh, didn't support me. And so I quit. And there's so many people that fall into this category right here. The, the word is planted just like it is for everybody else. And they start to grow just for a little bit. But then a little affliction comes. 
a little bit of affliction. We've all had a little affliction come against us. A little persecution. You know, Bartimaeus had persecution coming. I'd say when you're calling out to Jesus and people tell you to shut up, that's persecution. That qualifies. And so here he is. Affliction. Persecution is arising. But he was not offended. He didn't let it get to him. And way too many people, they're right there, man. The word's been planted. Jesus is right there. But they get some affliction, they get some persecution, and they get offended, and it chokes the word right out of their hearts. It wasn't planted very deep. There was really no deep roots there. And so just a little affliction, a little persecution will pull the whole thing out and shipwreck their faith. That was not the case of blind Bart. Bart did not care what people thought because they couldn't heal him. Nobody could heal Bart except for Jesus. And nobody can fix your situation except for Jesus. Nobody did fix your situation except for Jesus. So what does their opinion count for? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to shout louder. Tell me to shut up. I'm going to shout twice as loud. I remember um, the dancing usher, Jesse Garcia. Remember remember Jesse? All right. He's Facebook famous. We put a video of him on there. We had a thousand hits in one day. That's pretty good. So uh, Jesse's dancing on Facebook and, you know, just acting, you know, doing his thing. But I remember when Jesse first came in to church, only a few of us were here at that point in time. But Jesse, the Lord delivered him from a life of addiction and homelessness, man. He was on the streets and he comes into church and gets saved. I've never seen somebody more happy than Jesse Garcia when he got saved. This man was just nonstop, ear-to-ear smile. I mean, I'm like, I thought his face would hurt at night, but the, the smile never left. I've never seen anything like it. He was always happy, and I tell you what, I mean, I know he didn't have much money, like he just came off the streets, but when offering time came, when we said, who knows what time it is, we've been saying that for a long time, happy time! Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! And he'd be jumping up and down, and people would be like, what's that fool doing, man? Why is he so happy? You know, and so Jesse, he was loud. He was wild. He was crazy, man. And so I remember there was this one, this one lady that started coming and she liked the church. She was kind of snooty poo, though, and a nice lady. But we don't snooty poos don't last for long around here because snooty poos don't like crazy people. And we are crazy. Right. So this lady shows up and she's like, I've been thinking about inviting some friends. But I got to tell you, I'm afraid that guy in the back over there is going to scare them off. He's so loud. Could you maybe tell him to just quiet down a little bit? And I was like, really? Loud offense? Okay. Uh, You'd be be yelling just as loud if the Lord delivered you like he delivered that guy. I'm not going to tell him to shut up. I'm going to tell him to yell even louder. And if your friends can't handle it, this is the wrong church for them. Amen? If you don't like loud, this is the wrong place for you. We like loud. We like our ushers to dance. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, one time we did, Jesse did get one chance to praise dance, but that, I don't know if you remember that. We're not going to bring that up. We had a song that mentioned dancing in it, so Joshua was like, Jesse, we know you're a good dancer. Can you just come up and kind of do a little dance? And anyway, that went, that just didn't work out. We're not going to bring up what happened, but that failed miserably. We never sang the song again, and we never invited Jesse to dance on stage again. <laughs> his heart was well. His heart was in the right place, but his mind wasn't. Amen. So, so um, praise the Lord. But if God has delivered you from, if God has delivered you 
If God has done something for you, why be quiet about it? Get loud. Don't don't be ashamed of what Jesus did. I'm not ashamed that he healed me of cancer. I'm happy about it. I'm not ashamed that he's restored my life and done miracles. Why would I be embarrassed about that? You should be embarrassed for not believing. You should be embarrassed that, you know, I'm not ashamed about it. And I, you know, I put it this way. Imagine that somebody saved your life. So, I mean, you, you were dying and somebody, I mean, you were choking on, on a, on a, on a bone or something and <laughs> on your hot wings, you, you went to Buffalo Wild Wings, got a little crazy. You had too many and a bone gets stuck. Well, somebody comes and gives you the Heimlich and saves your life. I don't, I'm the type of guy that be every time I see you, there's the man that saved my life right there. I, he saved my, I was, I was choking on a chicken wing and he saved my life. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm that type of guy. And, 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 and that, why, why shouldn't you be? If somebody saved your life from, from destruction, why would you be quiet about it? I wouldn't be like, see that guy over there? This one time I was choking on a chicken. He saved my life. He saved my life. No, you'd be loud about it. You'd be excited. And I'm saying, if you can give people that much credit, because I've seen some of you at ball games, you go nuts. Why not give Jesus that much glory? Why not give Jesus that much praise? Amen. And so Bart, he he ignored the haters. He was like, I don't care, man. You don't like that. You're really not going to like this. He yelled even louder. And then number three, the third lesson from Bart is he threw his past behind him. Because. He used to be the blind guy, but he didn't want to, he wanted to ditch that nickname. He did not want to be known as Blind Bart anymore. He was ready to throw all of that behind him and say, that's not me anymore. I'm, you know, I'm not that anymore. I used to be blind. I used to be broken. I used to be a drunk. I used to be addicted. I used to be that guy. I'm not that anymore. You can't call me that anymore because that is not who I am. I called on Jesus and he called me out of the crowd and healed me. And so verse 50. Verse 50, Mark 10, verse 50, it says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. Jesus called him. He threw aside his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. Now, that verse may not sound that, but you've got to understand what was going on right here. He gets up when he's called. He throws that coat off. And we've talked about this before, but that coat, listen, that wasn't just some coat that he wore. That was his government-issued coat that officially gave him the permission to be a beggar. You couldn't just go out and beg. You had to have permission. And so there was no welfare. There was no, you know, there was no disability. This was, okay, this is our, this is our, this is us helping you out. You wear this coat. You're allowed to beg. Nobody can stop you. And so here he is wearing his blind coat, and he jumps up. Jesus says, come on, get over here. He jumps up. He takes it off and throws it. That's some faith right there because Jesus has not healed him yet. What if he gets up there and Jesus just says, it's okay, my son. Someday it will all be over and you'll be in the great beyond. He's kind of hoping for more than that, but okay. (laughs) And now his coat's gone because he can't see it. He threw it away and now he doesn't know where it's at. I mean, let's get real here. This was a step of faith. He threw the coat before, and so many of us were like, okay, I'm calling on you, Jesus, but let me just hold on to this, and then if this whole thing pans out, then I'll give it up. But I just want to make sure first. 
Bart wasn't like that. He, he, he was so done with that life that he just threw it away before Jesus ever even touched him. He threw it away. And that's some faith right there. That, he was convinced. There was no doubt in his mind of what was going to happen when he got to Jesus. He was convinced that Jesus was going to be the one to do what no person had ever done for him before. And here he is throwing away the only life he ever knew. He knew nothing but being blind. He knew nothing but begging. He had no job skills. He couldn't make a living for himself. This means that if he gives up this former life, he's going to have to completely change everything midlife. He's a grown man. He's going to have to go out and learn a skill. He's not able to beg anymore. He's not allowed to. He's going to have to go out and learn how to feed himself, how to, how to live his life, how to function in society. He's throwing away everything that he's ever had. But he got to the place where he did not want that bondage anymore. And I'm telling you, when somebody gets to that place, it's a beautiful thing because Jesus calls them out of the crowd. And if they're willing to throw it all away, Jesus is willing to absolutely come in and heal them and change them. But look at verse 51 here. This is always so interesting to me. Verse 51. Well, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And again, we, we, we mentioned this earlier. But why did Jesus ask, what do you want me to do for you? Why didn't Jesus just say, be healed and take care of it? Why did Jesus ask him? Well, as we find out, Jesus was going to do whatever Bart's faith asked of him. Because Jesus said, your faith has healed you. And so, here he is. Bart could have asked for anything. Here is his moment. He's standing before Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I will do whatever you want. You just tell me right now. He could have said, Jesus, I want the front spot at the begging center of the road so more people will give me money. I want the front spot. And Jesus could have said, okay, the front spot is yours. All the other blind beggars will be behind you from now on. He could have said, Jesus, I just want a bigger cup so I can hold more coins. Jesus, I just want this. He could have asked for anything. Jesus said, what do you want from me? And he gave the right answer. He said, I am done with this, man. I don't want to be blind another day of my life. Rabbi, I want to see. He said, I want to see. And so many of us, Jesus is saying, well, what do you want from me? And we're selling, we're doing it way too small. We're thinking way too little. We're, we're, we're just thinking, Lord, it'd be cool if you could just, I mean, you know, fetch me a few, fetch me a meal over here. Lord, it'd be cool if you could just somehow, I mean, get us on speaking terms. It'd be great, Lord, if you could. And he's saying, that's okay. I mean, according to your faith, be it done unto you. But why? I could do a lot better than that, just so you know. Just so you know, I could completely heal this blindness if that's what you were to ask for. But a lot of us, we just, we just, we're content. No, I mean, that's cool. I know he could, but I'll just, I'll just, I don't want to be greedy. I'll just ask for this. Dude, if I was blind, I don't care how greedy it sounds. I want to get healed. If I'm dying of something, I don't care. You call me whatever you want to call me. I really don't care. I'm going to ask for the whole thing. I want the entire healing and I don't want the side effects to go along with it. I want healed. I want to be made whole. And so I encourage you, just like Bart, why are you just going to ask Jesus for a piece of bread when he could give you the whole the whole kitchen? Why are you just going to ask Jesus for just a band-aid when he could heal the whole thing? 
Why are you going to ask Jesus just to take care of, you know, the one situation when he could deal with the whole root cause of all your problems and take care of it? Why are we going to sell Jesus short? He can do anything. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 says that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that you can even ask or think. So here you are. Oh, man, it'd be cool if Jesus did that. He's saying, oh, my gosh, I could do so much better than that. I could do better than anything you could even think of. Wow, that's incredible. Because even as Christians, even as people that love and fear the Lord, like all of us in here do, we don't grasp how big God is. We have no idea. We, we, don't, we don't even begin to understand how incredible, how powerful, how absolutely amazing that God is. We, I mean, we scratched the surface a little bit, but if we really knew, we'd be asking and we'd be believing for a whole lot bigger and better things than what we're doing. Amen? If we really had a bigger understanding of who God is, We'd, we'd be just like Bart here and say, listen, I, I don't want more money. I don't want people feeling sorry for me anymore. I'm tired of sympathy. I am tired of pity. I don't want it. I want to see and I want to live like everybody else. I want to see Jesus. And we've got to get to that place. But the problem is so many people don't want to leave their past behind. They don't want to throw that coat away because they've grown accustomed to it. They they're just fine with just, you know what? I'm, uh, this is the way I am. People feel sorry for me. I get by. I manage. And Bart managed. He was alive. He somehow lived. But you gotta get, you gotta, you, you gotta see beyond just surviving. You were not called to just be a survivor. If that is your only goal in life, is to merely survive. Come on. Your only goal is to somehow just survive and make it through and get to heaven. Woo! I made it. Wow. That was rough. But I'm here. If that's, I mean, do you realize how that, I mean, sure, you're in heaven. Praise God for that. But you don't have to live in hell on earth until you get to heaven. Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wants your life to be life and life more abundantly right here in Barstow. Right here in California, right here where you live, Jesus wants you to have a good life. He came to give you a good life. Wouldn't it be bad if you paid a bunch to provide somebody with a great gift and they're like, that's eh, okay, I don't need it. What? You realize that the gift that Jesus gave you was paid for with his blood? The sinless, spotless, perfect blood of Jesus Christ not only paid for you to get to heaven, it paid for you to have and enjoy life on this earth. And for us to say, yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I just, I'm just trying to survive this thing. That's pretty offensive when Jesus said, I could, man, I want you to thrive. I want you to be a champion. I want you to be more than a conqueror. I want you to go out there and, and, and triumph in everything you do. Just like I told Abraham, whatever you set your hand to, I'm going to bless it. And now we have an even better covenant than Abraham had. And you're going to sit there and say, eh, I don't know. I'm, I'm fine the way I am. No, you're not. You could be in a lot better shape than you are right now, but you've got to stand up and call upon the Lord. And when he says, what do you want me to do? You've got to say, I want the full thing. I want the deluxe combo. Put cheese on that Whopper, Jesus. I want to see. I want the whole thing. I want to see. And so ask Jesus and don't be ashamed. Number four, 
Number four, and this is one of the most important things out of this whole story, he followed Jesus even after he got what he wanted. We can just drop the mic right there and say, Selah, let that sink in. He followed Jesus even after he got what he wanted. Let's look at verse 52. And so Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. And then he followed Jesus down the road. He became a disciple. He became a follower of Jesus. He followed Jesus down the road. And to me, that's pretty much the most beautiful part of this story. He didn't just get a miracle and say, yes, hallelujah, peace, deuces, see you later, you know, and just walk on down the road like so many people do. Because if I had a dime for every time I've seen Jesus give someone a miracle and they don't even follow him down the road, I'd be a rich man right now. I have seen it my entire life. Somebody is in an absolute disaster and Jesus comes. And bails them out of it. He heals them. He restores them. He saves their life. They don't even follow him after that. I mean, and, and that's it's still, I mean, that, that is hard for me to even wrap my mind around how somebody could do so much for you and you not even be thankful enough to, to follow him. I, I, but I've seen it time and time and time. And somebody is in the absolute pit. Lord God Almighty, if you just bail me out of this one, I, I swear I'll serve you. I swear I'll get back into church. I promise you, Lord, I will follow you. I will do what you say. And then they get out of it. Oh, cool. All right. <sighs> Thanks a lot. And, and they just take off. Like, why in the world would you do that? And then the next they fall back in the pit again. Lord, it's me. <laughs> it's me again. Uh, I promised you. I swear, Lord, if you get me out of this one, I will follow you and serve you. I'll, I'll give you everything, Jesus. Tell you what, if I ever win the, win the lottery, I'll, I'll build a church someday. That's my favorite line. I love it when people tell me that one. And people do tell me that. Shut up. No, you're not. <laughs> anyway, and so, you know, I promise, Lord, but then I just walk off. I remember one guy, I, it's so sad. He had a massive heart attack and almost died on the job. And my dad and I went out. We prayed for him. And the Lord raised him up off the deathbed. He came to church the next Sunday. They didn't see him for nearly six months. And I'm like, what? What? He just healed you off a deathbed? And you, I mean, you don't even, at least, I mean, I would at least pop in every now and then and wave and say, hey, thanks a lot. If nothing else. I'd at least show up every once in a blue moon. But I'm telling you, people are not truly thankful for what the Lord's done for them. And here we are. Bartimaeus wasn't like that. And this is one of the most powerful lessons that I'm learning from Bart is this right here. It says he followed Jesus down the road. And I tell you what, these people that don't that, that, that don't aren't thankful, they don't follow Jesus. They rarely keep the miracle that he gave them. Usually somewhere along the road, they'll, they'll foul it up, they'll lose it, they'll do something. And we're not being mean, it's just the truth. Thankfulness will help you keep the blessings of God in your life. Because thankful people don't hold on to the blessings. Because they're just trying to grab for the next thing because they're greedy. And so, here we are, a thankful person that followed Jesus down the road. And I've got, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at one more verse. Let's look at Hebrews 13.5. Just one more verse tonight. Because if you want to keep what Jesus gave you, you've got to stick close by his side. 
Now, he'll never leave you. But there are a whole lot of people that sure do leave him. Hebrews 13, 5, the last part of this verse here in the New King James, it says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love that verse. I've got a promise from God. He said, no matter what happens, I, I'm, I'm not going to leave you. I will never, ever leave you. I will never forsake you. He's made that promise to me, and I've made that promise to him. And I know that there are times that I have failed. And I'm sure that you in this room, you've made that same promise. And there are times that we have failed and we did not keep our end of the deal. We did not give, we didn't love him like he loved us. We didn't do for him what he's done for us. But listen to me, that doesn't mean we just give up and say, well, I just, I blew it. It's over. No, get back on the road and start following Jesus. Because the good news is Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And a good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus said, if there's a shepherd that has a hundred sheep and one wanders off the path, he said he'll leave the 99 others that didn't do anything wrong and he'll chase that one down and pick him up and bring him back to the rest. Thank you, Jesus, that he'll leave the 99 to go after the one because at some point in time or another, everybody in this room, you've been that one. I have been that one at some point in time, and I am so glad that I serve a merciful and forgiving father. And he said, it's okay. Listen, I'm not mad. I love you. Let's just get back with everybody else. Get Come back home. Let's just get back over here. I love you. And so the lesson that I get from Bartimaeus is that he didn't care what people thought. He called out to Jesus, and he wasn't going to let anybody shut him up. But the most important thing that I love about his story is that he still followed Jesus after he received that miracle. And I encourage you tonight, I know you, I know everybody here, I know that you have received a miracle from Jesus, that he has healed you, he has done something great in every single life here, and I am telling you, I'm reminding you, I'm encouraging you tonight of what you already know, follow Jesus down that road. And never stop being thankful. Thank Him every day. You're never going to say it too much. Thank Him every day. And watch what He can do for the rest of your life. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.